Hey, everybody, and welcome to Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alec Klein, and we have quite the docket for you guys today. Um, we are currently this week celebrating on the Nerd Life Network a game show week. All of the shows are participating in games. And I got to tell you guys, I spent a really long time trying to figure out how I could play a game uh, and and <laughs> a game with myself, basically, too, because uh, all of our great friends of the show were are all participating in everyone else's shows. And I didn't want to ask for, you know, multiple visits because uh, I know everybody has really busy weeks. But uh, in a lucky break uh, for us and hopefully for you guys as well. There were a ton of really good movies that came out in the last week that I've seen, and I am super excited to talk about them. As the title suggested, uh, we had Buzz Lightyear. Lightyear came out uh, and is out now on Disney+, Plus, available to watch. Uh, interestingly enough, too, tomorrow on Disney+, Plus, I Am Groot uh, premieres now <laughs> i did see the uh the posters came out today for the five episodes of that are, i'm sure are probably a couple minutes long so i'm at the end of the day it's going to take you like 10 minutes to watch the whole thing but the posters i got a little little nervous looking at the posters they uh there's one of them that looks like it's a re you know going back to maybe guardians of the galaxy volume two uh another one called groot takes a bath and uh, <laughs> look, I'm going to watch them and uh, tune in next week to Earth's Mightiest Weirdos, where uh, we'll be talking about those uh, those episodes. But safe to say, I'm, I'm interested just to see to see what I think of them, because I'm not a big baby group fan. But but here we are. Um, hey, and I, I see Katie's in the comments. Hi, Katie. Welcome. Um, beyond Lightyear, uh, we also got the Marvel Assembled episode for Miss Marvel. Uh, if you keep up with those, I would highly encourage you guys to watch them. They are so good. They're about an hour apiece for each of the Marvel properties. And uh, Miss Marvel's was no different in terms of it being awesome. So it was really fun to see Iman Vellani is, uh, she's just an incredible person, it seems like. I'm really excited to have her in the MCU Again, I mean, that we can have her in the MCU. Certainly she's not mine. But uh, on another streaming service, a little something dropped. Something that, oh, and I see Brian's in the comments too saying that uh, my comments about Baby Groot are blasphemy, uh, even though he also prefers adult Groot to Baby Groot, uh, and I do as well. Highly looking forward to uh, Guardians 3 just to see Groot older. Uh, because I, they're, they're overplaying it for for uh, for the cuteness factor, Brian. I'm waiting. I'm waiting to see. Maybe these shorts turn me around. I'm not sure. But on Hulu, uh, another Disney-owned property, Hulu dropped a little something last week, last Friday, called Prey. That uh, <clears throat> I'm not a huge Predator fan. All right, I have actually not seen any of the Predator movies. Uh, the only one I have seen is The Predator, which was, I believe, a 2019 movie. I went and saw it in theaters because I was like, it's 2019. You know, regardless, it's probably going to be fun at least to see in theaters, and it sort of was. But I was also walked away going, eh, that movie was okay. It wasn't wasn't anything to. Uh, um, shake a stick at, but uh, I, after watching Prey and then watching Prey again, watched all of the other Predator movies because I wanted to confirm before I made the statement that uh, this movie was my favorite of all of them. Uh, and so we will be talking about those films as well, all of the Predator movies along with Prey, and then we will wrap up 
to uh, Bullet Train. So uh, we'll be talking full of spoilers for Lightyear, Prey, and Bullet Train. And uh, yes, Brian, I am going to be talking Lightyear first. Uh, coincidentally, I'll be watching uh, talking about these in the order that I have watched them. So Lightyear is up first, uh, directed by Angus McLean, who, doing a little research on, is a fresh face at Disney Pixar. He co-directed Finding Dory and was also part of the animation squad on a lot of films such as The Incredibles. So this was his first directing gig. Uh, I was impressed with this movie. Uh, quite a bit. I was not really looking forward to this. You you have uh, voice stamps from me saying that I wasn't looking forward to this movie because why did we need a movie about a toy? I'm sorry, now that we know what it is, why did we need a movie about a movie that a toy is based on in an animated film from 1997 or something? Uh, and, and, you know, your guess is as good as mine. The short answer is we didn't and we still don't. But we have it nonetheless. I watched it, and I'm really glad that I did. Uh, I, I, so for something, some reason, I love going into a movie kind of not wanting to watch the movie uh, because I tend to like those movies more when my expectations are super low. And they were at the bottom of the barrel for Buzz Lightyear. And I, like I said, I left impressed. Uh, was it an amazing movie? No. Was it, you know, is it going to be in my top 10 for the year? Absolutely not. But I had a great time watching it, and we'll we'll dive into why. So the movie starts out, and I, I was impressed with this too, with the um, caveat in text that this is a movie based on um, the toy or based on the movie that Andy, you know, his to the toy Buzz Lightyear. And the <laughs> it's so hard to explain that the toy, it shouldn't be hard to explain, Buzz Lightyear in Toy Story. That toy is based off of a movie in that universe this is that movie. That's what they said in the, in the intro. And I'm thinking, okay, I can get behind that because, you know, they said in some of the previews that, oh, you know, this isn't going to have any tie-ins to the Toy Story movies and all that. To me, that is a benefit for this movie. I think if this movie had tied to any of the Toy Story films, if we'd have seen Lil Bo Peep on Planet X or, you know, some dinosaur on some other planet, it would have been a little off-putting. Uh, you know, if Buzz Lightyear's Star Command was ran by Mr. Potato Head, I, I feel like I would have probably turned this off. Uh, so I appreciated that this was a brand new, fresh film. Uh, and, you know, you don't really need to know it. You really don't need to know anything going into this. You don't even need to have seen Toy Story. But if you have seen Toy Story, you're going to enjoy this movie a lot because there are a ton of cool callbacks. Uh, and it's never, you know, it's not the cheesiness that you typically see of, oh, again, you know, here's Slinky Dog running out of a, a hidey hole as an aliens, you know, trying to fight him. It's it's phrases. And the way that uh, Chris Evans, who plays Buzz Lightyear, says these phrases, they're spot on with how they were from the toy. And so I just kept thinking to myself, it was this weird sort of feel. I've never experienced this before because I don't think this has ever been done in this sense to where he would say, um, what does he say? He's like, you know, well, obviously to infinity and beyond. Uh, but one of my favorite lines uh, from the, the Toy Story universe, I use this line all the time, is not today, Zerg. Uh, and I say that whenever I'm getting upset about something, uh, which is from Toy Story 2. And in this movie, he says it twice. He says not today, Zerg, at one point. But then he also says not today, uh, whoever it is he's talking with on his thing while he's flying his ship. But in each instance, he says it the exact same way that he says it in the uh, movie. Because if you think about it, again, if this was a real-life movie, 
uh, and you had a toy that when you press the buttons, it would say these phrases, they would be said the exact same way as they were said in the movie. So I really liked that. Like for some reason, I was just like, that's really cool. Not only that, we got Zerg in the movie, uh, voiced by James Brolin, nonetheless. We also get Kiki Palmer is in this movie as Izzy Hawthorne. Uh, her mom, played by Uzo Aduba from um, Orange is the New Black. And then uh, there's a couple of other characters. Taika Waititi plays Mo Morrison. And then Dale Souls plays Darby Steele. Those are the three, uh, I guess, little sidekicks that help him throughout the film. Um, there was a couple bits. You know, I don't think a Disney movie these days is immune to some corny jokes and some corny activity. And this one was no different. But again, I was easily to forgive it because the concept of this movie was so interesting. So the story is Buzz Lightyear, along with uh, Alicia, um, ha Alicia Hawthorne, they are part of Star Command. And so their job, and this is the coolest job ever, is to go explore planets and try to find intelligent life. So again, it's identical to the toy, right? If you remember in, in Toy Story, when Buzz Lightyear jumps out of the box or whatever, and he's like, I don't see any signs of intelligent life anywhere, or any of that stuff. You know, Chris Evans is saying all of these lines, his buzzes, as they're looking around this planet. Uh, and all of a sudden, though, there actually is life. And it's this really, actually really funny, uh, <laughs> like creeping vines that uh, try to take people out, right? You know, wrap around their legs and pull them away. And so there's this great bit of comedy that comes later as they kind of populate this planet, uh, that these vines are just a part of life. And, you know, anyone can just start, get taken away by a vine and people are trying to cut them off. But essentially what happens is they, they get into this kind of kerfuffle with, uh, with everyone, try to escape. And Buzz, being Buzz, is like, I can make it, I can make it. And he's trying to take off out of a like a crater and misjudges it whatever it is doesn't have enough room and they end up crash landing there and so they're unable to leave and the only way they can leave is if they craft a new hyperdrive for the ship to be able to take it out and uh brian says that he's surprised that i caught all the references to his lines brian i talk a lot of crap about some of these pixar movies but i grew up with toy story i have watched the toy story movies so many times uh, growing up. I haven't seen them recently. I do need to do a rewatch. I haven't seen them in like decades, but uh, eh, probably less than that. But still, uh, they're burned into my brain. I loved Buzz Lightyear. I always wanted that toy. I always wanted to be Buzz Lightyear because I loved his wings. And, I, you know, you are a toy. You can't fly. But he still could fly uh, in that last bit. But um, so, the, the, again, a cool concept that, okay, we can't escape this planet. Uh, but what we can do is we can farm the planet and try to build our own hyperdrive, right? I mean, it's going to take over. They, they say it's going to take a really long time, uh, but you know, what else are we going to do, right? And so they end up building this colony, and a piece of it. Once they finally get to, you know, it's like years later uh, that they have a working hyperdrive. They have to test it out. And I love this idea because you, again, no secret here at Comics and Cinema. I love Interstellar. I love Ad Astra. Any movie that involves space, that involves time travel, I'm a huge fan of those films. And this had all of them, but it was an animated form. So I was just, I was in rapture as Buzz takes off and slingshots around the sun and fails in his mission over and over. But every single time he loses four years. And so when he comes back, Alicia is consistently getting older and older uh, and so we see her get married. We see her have a kid, uh, maybe multiple kids, but then has grandkids 
who is, uh, excuse me, Izzy, played by Kiki Palmer. What I also found really interesting, too, and I guess is a, is a shame for the movie industry, as always is, uh, there was a lot of countries that didn't want this movie to come out because of a, and again, this is what the headline said, because of a girl-on-girl kiss. And I was hawk-eyed, and again, I hate that I even had to be that way. I would have loved to have just watched this movie on its own merit and not had these spoilers going around that there was some sort of kiss on screen. Besides that point, I didn't even see the kiss. I know where it probably happened when she was a grandparent, uh, but it was like nothing. I, I mean, far be it for me to judge what is and isn't a kiss, but I certainly can judge what should and shouldn't be released in a movie theater. And I think this movie was great. So I, I, I don't get it. That part doesn't make sense to me, but uh, he, there's a fascinating concept in this film of buzz just being the guy that has to get the job done. He won't stop until he gets it done. And he feels like this mission is his purpose. And so every single time he comes back again, you know, Alicia is getting older and older and she's like, Buzz, like, you don't have to do this. We're just going to figure it out. We'll find some other way because again, the, the product is not working. The, the hyperdrive is not working. And he's like, I want to keep trying. And so he keeps trying. And eventually uh, we get to this interesting bit where uh, he gets this cat named Socks. Uh, which again, I saw in the trailers and I hated in the trailers. I was like, God, this socks is the equivalent of baby Groot in this movie. Look, guys, there is always going to be a baby Groot in a Disney movie, uh, whether it's socks or some other animal or some other cute thing. That's that's just the way that it is. And my hope is that we see more of these baby Groots that are like socks. Because, again, from the trailer, I was like, oh, geez, this is going to be really, really corny. And he wasn't at all. He was really funny, really smart. Uh, and he's basically like this robotic cat that is there as emotion. It's like an emotional support robot for Buzz Lightyear because he's a man out of time at this point. And it's, again, those scenes were uh, really powerful. If you're one of those people like me that, you know, gets really emotional with the passage of time. Uh, this was one of those movies. And I really liked that. I liked that they didn't pull those punches. They, they really showed, you know, the aging process for a lot of people, but there's a moment where he's like, I'm going to go try this again. And socks is like, what are you going to do? Just leave me in the room. He was like, I would like to be useful. I'd like to help you. And he was like, yeah, well then figure out, you know, what's going on with the hyperdrive as like a joke. And so he comes back and uh, this, this is like the last time that he comes back. And this new commander, because uh, Alicia has now passed away because so much time has passed, um, this new commander is like, we're scrapping the program. And he's like, what are you talking about? You know, oh, this is my mission. This is my purpose. And they're like, Buzz, you have to understand, like, we have been here for decades at this point. We have made this inhospitable planet our home. And I totally understood that. Like, I, I, what a philosophical argument of like, yes, it would be great if we could go back to live the life that we had. But here we are, we've made a new life for ourselves on this planet. So I saw both sides of it. Um, and he's, you know, completely downtrodden and sad. And he goes back to his, his place. And he's just, you know, uh, and Sox is like, oh, well, what's wrong? And he's like explaining it to him. He goes, well, I do have some good news. I did figure out the hyperdrive. And Buzz is like, what? What are you talking about? And so it's like so cool. Sox has spent, he was like, oh, it took me only, it was like, what? I, you have to correct me. I don't remember the exact amount of time, but it was years that he's, again, a computer working on the computer uh, and figured it out. And so they then sneak into 
uh, star command again. They create the goo that makes this hyperdrive and him and socks go. And that's again, Chris Evans did such a good job of making buzz such a tough guy, but you start seeing it through socks that he, uh, he stopped, he's softening up and he brings socks with him and they test it out and it works. The problem is it worked a little too well. And so instead of it being four years of time, I think it ends up being like 20 years, something like that. And so when he gets back, little Izzy is now fully grown up and she has taken on the mantle of her mom covertly, sort of. They don't really do a, a, that good of a job explaining at least that piece of it. But to me, honestly, it didn't matter. It's a kid's movie. So now you've got Izzy, um, Taika Waititi's character and uh, Darby, this other character, um, the three of them are like the squad of, of uh, they're essentially rookies. So they don't uh, know really how to do anything. Uh, honestly, most of the cringe came from them, specifically from Taika Waititi. I thought his character was fine, but I just kept thinking, man, this guy, he just, oh, the whole gag with, oh, I got this pen in my thing. I just, I, it wore out its welcome very quickly for me. But Overall, the group of them I thought was great. I loved this idea of a couple of young bucks. They don't really know what to do. They've never really had any experience. And then you have the Buzz Lightyear who has been doing these missions and everyone knows who Buzz is, but they don't know where he is, right? Like he's this he's this figure in the world, like an Iron Man after Iron Man died, except in this world, Iron Man never died, right? He just disappeared. And so now he's back. And the whole thing is this place has now been overtaken by these alien creatures, by Zerg. And so I'm thinking to myself, I was like, oh, great. Okay, we've only got like 30 minutes left in this movie. And uh, you throw Zerg into this movie? How are we going to get some character development on this? Oh, man. If you guys were wondering that, you are in for a treat. Uh, I Look, there's there's insane uh, reveals in movies. And this wasn't one of them, but this was a genuine surprise. I was not expecting this. We find out that Zerg is Buzz Lightyear. And it is, and again, they don't really explain this because you don't, you, you never want to get too deep into the time travel stuff. But he's essentially Buzz from the future, and he has gone back in time to prevent uh, all of this from happening so that they can go back to living the life that they had. And he essentially, Buzz liked that idea. And I kind of did too. I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I know he's a bad guy. I know it's Zerg. But I kept saying like, okay, I get why he's doing what he's doing. And it's just this idea that imagine you as that Buzz going through your whole life with this mission, this purpose that you can't complete, but then you find a way that you can complete it by going back in time. Why wouldn't you? It makes total sense. It's one of those Thanos villain type of uh, scenarios where you're like, yeah, I, I totally get it. It makes sense. But you get the classic third act fight, right? They battle and fight and Buzz, you know, ultimately wins. But uh, does, you know, is Zerg gone for sure? We don't know. But I just kept thinking to myself, like you, you talk about retcons. And I was like, man, that whole time in Toy Story 2, Buzz was fighting himself. Uh, at Big Al's toy barn, like, wow, that scene where, you know, he's in the elevator with Zerg and, and they're having that big final battle. Man, I just, I was like, what if my younger self had known that that was Buzz Lightyear too? Like what a, my mind would have exploded. Um, but again, the whole point is they, they are trying to get this hyperdrive to the ship so that they can get back to their place. But the lesson learned here, which ends up being because the hyperdrive breaks, um, through just, you know, all this stuff that, uh, uh, it, it's not about going back. 
It's about making making a life with the things that you have now, moving forward, as the, uh, Meet the Robinsons would say, to keep moving forward and to live to live in the now. Because again, he's so trapped in the past and trapped in the future, but now he finally gets to to enjoy the present. Uh, especially with Izzy, which I think is cool. And he's kind of giving a good memory to uh, Alicia to sort of be there for her. Um, Brian, Brian asked if I saw the post credit scene. Uh, there is a good chance I did. I don't remember what it was, so maybe I didn't. Um, but I can easily, we'll see. This could be a, this could be a comics and cinema first right now. I'm going to I'll pull the movie up as I'm talking. Uh, but like I said, overall, I uh, really enjoyed it. Um, I gave it a 7 out of 10. I thought this was a good movie. Uh, I'd probably put it on the lower end of 7 again. It's not breaking any new ground. The animation was really good, though. The, there's some some really good color stuff, too, uh, that I really liked. But overall, like I said, really good movie. Um, and like I said, I'm going to see if we pull this up. Get me that post credits scene oh yeah are you talking about the the box guys yeah okay okay brian thank you i thought for some reason that was in the movie um so yes i did see the post credit scene there's two of them this i actually liked that because i was like look at this pixar's kind of going the marvel route so there's one post credit scene where we find out zerg is still in space and is alive uh so yikes like i said you know what's going to happen to zerg but then we get a second one which is it was like a gag you know the the there's like some box computer that's trying to explain a plan to them and takes forever to do so. And so by the time he's done explaining the movies over sort of thing. Um, but yeah, overall, I thought the movie was good. Uh, check it out again. If you've got nothing to do, it's only like an hour and a half. And uh, if you're a Pixar fan, you got to check it out. It's it's the newest Pixar movie. So Lightyear, uh, a success. Lightyear is better than I thought it was going to be. But now we have to focus up and we have to talk about Prey. <sighs> and I... Okay, so I got to give you guys some background. So I, on Friday, the movie came out and I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew I wanted to see this movie. I was getting uh, just the idea and the concept of this movie. The origin story of the Predator in the world of the Comanche Nation 300 years ago. Naru, a skilled female warrior, fights to protect her tribe against one of the first highly evolved Predators to land on Earth. Um. I am a big fan of ancient cultures, uh, and this isn't really that ancient, but I love Native American culture. And for those of you that know me as well, uh, I'm a big gamer, and one of my favorite games was Assassin's Creed 3, which is a game where you get to play as a Native American and uh, kind of fighting through as an assassin. This movie was exactly like that. And, and I would describe this movie as uh and th thanks for tuning in brian i see you check checking out um catch up on with this once uh, you've seen these movies but um predator uh or prey i guess you could say to me it's a mixture of assassin's creed 3 but it also reminded me a lot of of the revenant and sp specifically i was going to say of terrence malick movies but really it's it's chivo the the cinematographer uh, but beyond that, just the Revenant, this this time period takes place in 1719 in the Great Plains. Uh, so there is a lot of absolutely gorgeous uh, scenery shots. And they shot on location in British Columbia, which was really cool. And some exciting news as well about this movie. I just this just was released and broke on Variety. Hulu says Prey is its biggest movie or TV series premiere ever. And they said on here that that is on the heels of Hulu saying that about 
Keeping Up with the Kardashians, the new Kardashians uh, series that premiered was their highest premiere ever. This beat that. And I think that's a bigger discussion to be had as well. This movie came straight to Hulu. This movie should have come, excuse me, this movie should have come to theaters, hands down. This this was such a good movie. I would have loved to have seen this in Dolby and IMAX, really anywhere. And I, but at the same time, I love that Friday night kind of came around, wasn't really doing anything. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to pop this movie on. And uh, I was blown away. Like I said, absolutely blown away. So um, spoilers for Prey. I'm going to dive into it right now. Um, that was all I knew going into it. Uh, and I'm more than happy that that's all I knew because we get a, uh, I don't know if you want to call her an up and coming actor, but Amber Midthunder plays Naru. Uh, I know her from Roswell. She was in, uh, it's called Roswell, New Mexico. She plays Rosa. Uh, my wife loves that show, and I would watch that with her sometimes. And uh, I just, I was always like, wow, she's a, she's a very compelling character on screen. But she was also in The Ice Road. If any of you have seen that, that's a Netflix movie with Liam Neeson. Uh, and I was like, yeah, that's right. Yep, that made sense. And then she was also in uh, Hell or High Water as well as uh, Legion, if any of you have seen that movie or that show on Hulu. She's phenomenal. She does an absolutely great job with what she's got here. Uh, everyone does her brother, uh, Tabe played by Dakota Beavers is amazing. Uh, this is what I loved. And I guess we'll, we'll go through this. So the biggest question I think people had with this movie, me too. And that was my driving force to see this movie is how do you have a compelling movie where the antagonist is a futuristic alien that has weapons and the people that he's fighting are native Americans with bows and, uh, you know, axes. And again, absolutely blown away at how they made that work. Uh, and honestly, you know, I don't know. I, I won't go into too many spoilers on this. I'll, I'll, I'll do some, but you, you guys got to check this movie out. So there's there's a bit where, uh, and I love this, absolutely love this. There's a bit where she uh, comes back from a hunt. And so I love this too. She, and I'm going to say this, I'm going to say I love this a lot in this, this portion of the show. So just bear with me. She has she needs to prove herself they, back in that time it was fully male um warriors in there i mean I, I read some things too that said you know females were warriors too but in this telling it's a group of young men and she is is trying to be a part of that right she's trying to be it's like mulan in that sense and she's but but she doesn't have to fake it right she's not pretending to be a guy she just wants to prove that she can do just as much as the men and I loved that she, her mom at one point is like, why, why, why do you keep trying to do this? Because she keeps messing. She does mess up. She can't, she is really good at throwing tomahawks and that's like her thing, which is again, if you're an Assassin's Creed fan is awesome. And she is really good at it. Uh, but she's like trying to hunt rabbits and stuff. And she can't because she throws something at a deer and misses. And now she's got to go find her ax and, Again, just like you would probably have happened back in that day. You know, there's no, it's not like a gun where you have a hundred bullets uh, to your disposal or in that sense, a hundred axes. But she comes back after another failed mission. Her mom's like, why, why are you do? why do you keep doing this? And she's like, do you know why I'm trying to do this? Because everyone says that I can't do it. And I loved that message. I was like, you know what? Sometimes you just got to do what people say that you can't do to prove them wrong, to stick it in their face. And so we get to what could be a trope of the brother and the buddies of the brother kind of teasing her um but it goes in the exact opposite direction her brother loves her 
and he is incredibly supportive of her. And he explains to her that there's this thing. This is what she's trying to do to prove herself. It's called the, I believe it was the Katame, which is essentially a hunt. And so she has to hunt something that's hunting her um, to truly prove that she's a hunter. And there's even a piece where, you know, in, in this hunt that she tries, she fails. And her mom's like, you don't understand what it means. You're not trying to hunt to prove yourself. You're trying to hunt to survive. And that's a big piece of this as well as she stumbles quite a bit because she's trying to prove herself as opposed to embracing who she is. Though I love this as well. She is a big critical thinker, really good root cause problem solver. When she messes up, she learns from that mistake and then she gets better. And honestly, that's to me, that was a message of this movie. If the predator shows up, all you got to do is have a good head on your shoulders and, and be like, okay, if that didn't work, I'm going to try this sort of thing. And so essentially she comes back to the camp and they're like, oh, there's a, you know, there's a mountain lion out there. And so she's thinking to herself, okay, this is going to be my katame. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to get this lion. And so she goes with her brother and a squad of uh, Comanches. Oh man, this scene was just amazing. Again, if you're like, okay, like it's, it's, it's just bow and arrow. Like, come on. How? These guys are walking in single file line down this really, you know, a dirt path. They're aiming their bows at little things in the, in the woods and they're all co coordinating. And then, um, and they, and, and again, this, I guys, I'm sorry, I'm getting really excited. Um, this was directed by Dan Trachenberg. If you know him, he directed uh, 10 Cloverfield lane, which was another incredibly good movie, claustrophobic movie. I think he also did. He might've done the Cloverfield paradox. I'm not sure, but um, he, Awesome. And so this, this bit that he's kind of uh, staging where they're doing this hunt, uh, there's a piece in the hunt where, uh, what happens? Someone gets injured. Oh, so the mountain lion got somebody. And that's what they, that was the whole purpose is they're going out there to get this guy. And so they're, and, and even at that point too, you know, the sister shows up or she shows up Naru and they're like, why are you here? And the brother goes, you know what? She should stay. She's one of the best trackers that we have. And if we find him and he's still alive, she knows medicine. And guys, when I tell you, uh, she certainly does know medicine. There's a whole opening bit with her dog. She has an, a dog named Sonny that uh, if you guys get stressed about animals being in danger, uh, just trust me when I tell you to embrace that stress in this movie because it's going to pay off. If you root for the dog, you're going to be happy. That's all I'm going to say. I won't spoil anything on that end. Um, but uh, they do find him. And so she's giving him some medication made out of herbs. Uh, and there's a specific herb too. I don't remember what the name of it is. It's like a mushroom or something that when you eat it, it uh, slows down your blood circulation and it makes you incredibly cold. So imagine those moments when you're, you know, you're shivering, right? You're, and the reason for that, again, the science was amazing. That, that old, uh, old American science that, you know, if you're shivering and shaking loss of blood, you're going to, you're going to stop bleeding. It's going to stop the wound and it's going to give you more time to heal, to live basically. And so while she's doing this, there's a montage of all of that group of Indian uh, Native Americans going around and chopping pieces of wood, measuring them, creating a little net to create a uh, a gurney to carry the guy back. And it, it wasn't like a you know a throwaway bit. It was it was like a you meant to see this to show that these these guys are resourceful. They know what they're doing. They understand the land, and so they take they take him back. And she's like, I'm going to go find this lion, basically this mountain lion. And so it's her, her brother, and this other guy who's the one that doesn't really like her. 
and they find the mountain lion or they don't find it, but they find his den. And this whole time she's been getting signs. She saw the predator ship coming down from the sky. She saw something else and she keeps trying to tell everybody. It's almost a chicken little type of issue of like, there's something bigger out there. Yes, we are going to hunt this lion, but there is something hunting the lion. She's like, why would this lion attack somebody and then run away? It doesn't make sense. Like, and again, you're like, your logic is really sound. She's incredibly smart. And uh, so she also suggests, well, why don't we set a trap for this lion, which they do. The lion shows up and again, she falters, but it wasn't her fault that she falters. There's a red light that goes off in the distance from the predator. And so she looks and the, you know, the lion takes their moment. Uh, and so then she gets knocked out. Her brother takes her back and then her brother ends up killing the lion. And it's, but it was so good when they're about to go in, he's like telling her, Hey, this is your moment. This is uh, and he's explaining to her what she needs to do, right? Like you look that animal in the eye and you say, this is it. This is as far as you go. And uh, it's so, you know, just crazy. But then she he brings the lion head back. He, be, he gets crowned like the chief warrior, basically, and tells her at that point, he's like, oh, you know, we did it. And she's all mad. She's like, no, we didn't do it. Like I was here. I should have been out there with you. And he's like, do you not understand? You know, and he goes, you know what? You're right. We didn't do it. I did it. And he's like, and so it was funny because she, he wasn't, you know, disqualifying her, but he was essentially just kind of, you know, letting her know you need to step it up. If, if you're truly being serious about this, like you need to not mess around. And so she decides not to. And so instead she chooses to go find the predator. <laughs> and again, why is she going to find the predator? But she does. Uh, and oh man, like I said, the, during this time, there's another amazing piece of this movie that I absolutely loved, which was we see the predator going up the food chain. And now that I've seen the other predator movies, this one did it the best in my opinion. And he starts with, uh, it's a snake, uh, killing. No, no, no. It's a, an ant that's crawling on. So like the predator standing there and his, his invisible, whatever his invisibility cloak and a little like bug starts crawling on him, but a bird grabs the bug and then a snake grabs the bird. And then the snake notices the kind of difference where the predator's standing, like it can sense that there's something there. Then the predator kills the snake and guts it just like it would, you know, any other creature. And so you're like, Ooh, circle of life. Like, I love this. This is awesome. And then it does it again, where the, uh, a wolf is hunting a rabbit. And then the wolf, you know, the, the predator fights the wolf, the wolf ends up biting the predator. And that's what kind of, it still can use its invisibility, but you can kind of see it now. There's like a glitch on it because it got bit, which was like, okay, perfect. Makes total sense. So now we're starting to slowly level the playing field. And I love that, but that's the whole point of the predator, right? It made so much sense. Not as much sense in the other predator movies, but here it was like, this alien shows up and starts at the very bottom of the food chain and says, I want to fight the strongest thing here, which when you're talking about a comparison of alien versus predator, I'd pick predator over alien every day for that reason, because the aliens, all they want to do is just destroy. Whereas there, there's like a, a pride that sort of comes from being a predator where you know that you are the best and you're only going to fight the best because anytime uh, the characters are in kind of a weakened state or are sort of a victim. The predator doesn't go after them because it doesn't want that. It wants the, the thrill of the hunt, the thrill of the, the fight. And oh, gosh, it, we get that, guys. We And if you're thinking, too, oh, we're, we're, you know, maybe his weaponry is no, no, his weapons are insane. He's got this uh, net. And so at this point, 
Um, the whole rest of the movie is her tracking and fighting the predator, but she ends up in, there's an amazing scene. It's, it's uh, really tragic and sad, but there's this scene where there's a, just a field of dead Buffalo and they're all completely skinned. And I did see on a trivia that they said during that time period, uh, they would not have done that. They would have used most of the Buffalo uh, because when I, when you first see the scene and, and I watched, when I watched it a second time with my cousin, he said the same thing. He was like, did the predator do that? And it was like, no, the predator didn't do that. Cause they already set up that what the predator does is he'll cut you and gut you to the point that it's just your head and your spine, which is insane. But these Buffalo were fully there. They just were missing their skin. And, uh, switch, and there was a cigar there, which, uh, we now know means that it was humans. And so there's a weird irony in the movie about who really is the predator in this movie, because the predator is only killing what he needs to kill. Uh, whereas these humans who we haven't seen yet have just, you know, murdered or herd of Buffalo. But again, the trivia that I read said that uh, during that time period, humans, even ones that weren't Native American, learned from the Native Americans to use every piece of the Buffalo. It wasn't until like 30 years later that more settlers came in and started really, you know, massacring the Buffalo. But regardless, the visual stuck with me and I was just, again, blown away. Um, but we then get to where she meets up with these other humans and they seem like they're like old French trappers, basically. Uh, none of them speak English except for one of them. And there are no subtitles, which I really admired. Um, they all, they use her brother and her as bait for the predator, which again, the predator doesn't want bait. The predator wants a fight. And so the predator shows up and fights all of them. And oh man, guys, like I said, I won't spoil a lot of it only to say that some of these weapons, it just, we thought going into this movie that, okay, the, you know, the native Americans are going to stand no chance against these people. They do a better job against the predator than the, the trappers do. And the trappers have guns. They, I mean, they're, they're musket type guns, so they only get one shot and then they have to reload, but they are so bad. But there's, there's the one weapon I'll share with you is that the predator has this net that he throws and the net goes over the person, but then the net starts pushing down almost like if you, uh, I mean, you think of anything that you're pushing down, like a tube of toothpaste or something like that, but it, it essentially squeezes until it slices everything like a, like a vegetable cutter. And so the person and the log that the net was on completely just turned to dust. And uh, it was like, oh my gosh. Um, so the only other cool thing, the other cool thing I share, like I said, I don't want to spoil all of it, but she's, uh, Naru learns from her mistakes of uh, throwing that tomahawk and it not coming back. And this was something I wish that we'd have had in Assassin's Creed 3. She grabs some uh, evergreen trees and strips them to make uh, like a sort of rope uh, by wrapping them all around each other in a really long rope. And so she basically ties that to her tomahawk. And so she now has a tomahawk that once she throws it into a tree, she can pull this rope and it'll fly back to her. And so there's, there's an amazing scene where she's just throws it at a tree, pulls it back, throws it at another tree, pulls it back, throws it. And she's just going at it. So that again was just amazing. Um, yeah, the fights. And she she puts up, her brother puts up an amazing fight. He probably puts up the best fight against the Predator out of all of them. He gets multiple shots in on him. He's hitting him. She stabs a spear in him. One of the Predator's own spears. Uh, oh, man. And like this, 
I watched an interview that they were doing, answering some questions for the press. And Dan Trachenberg, the, uh, the director said that, uh, he said originally their plan was to have nothing about the predator in the trailer at all that he said his hope and he knew he said, I know it wouldn't have been, wouldn't have been possible to do it up until the release date. He's like, but at least for the first trailer, my plan was to just have them show like the stuff from the first 10 minutes of the movie and then have the trailer end on the ship. Cause the shit, and you see it in the trailer, the ship's flying through the clouds. You can't even tell what it is, but so he's like, and then you'd see that trailer and be like, what is this movie? Like what's going on? But you'd be, you'd be uh, sympathizing with Naru and being like, okay, you know, it's, it's a native American movie. Okay. But then he said in like the final trailer would be, there's a scene where the predator fights a bear and he kills this bear and is holding it over him. And all of the blood is falling onto him while he's invisible. So once the blood hits him, it's his outline. And he's like, and then people would have been like, Oh, this is a predator movie. And I just kept thinking, this is I mean, he had the exact same thought process as with uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane, right? That whole movie took place in a basement. You had no idea, besides from the title, that this movie was associated to Cloverfield until the very end. So I loved his thinking. I was like, man, I hope we can get some more stuff from, from him, certainly. Um, so yes, wow. Nine out of 10 is what I would give the Prey movie. It is uh, probably going to be in my top 10 for the year just because it was felt so fresh. This is how you do a reboot, especially after um, that the Predator movie. And so with that said, let's talk about the other Predator movies. So like I said, I hadn't seen them before, and I watched all of them in the last few days. So uh, real quickly, we got 1987 Predator. That's Arnold Schwarzenegger with uh, John McTiernan as the director, who also directed Die Hard. The last action hero, and he directed Rollerball for fans of Rollerball. Um, I, the funny story: when I was in uh, college, right after I gra graduated, I had a group of buddies that I made uh, friends with who, while I was interning at Target, and uh, this movie reminded me of them because there was this one night before we went out, um, we would like walk, you know, walk around downtown, uh, downtown Greeley at the time. I don't know if you want to call it downtown, but we'd hit up all the bars and all of that. But we just, I don't know why we just had so much fun. It was something I didn't get to do very often. And so, um, there was this one night where we were all doing Arnold impressions and, uh, but and the night ended when we got back, we, we stayed up super late and we were watching, uh, I think it was running man. That might be the one where it's like a futuristic Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. But so we would all just be screaming stuff. And I remember it was always get to the chopper. And then uh, there is another one, though. And again, that was the only one I ever remember was get to the chopper. That's from this movie. And but then there was a couple of other things that he said that were also from this movie. And one of them was do it, do it, kill me, kill me now. Uh, do it. And, and I remember we would just scream that at each other while we were walking home. Uh, so this this brought back some nostalgia, even though I hadn't seen the movie, which was really funny. Uh, beyond that, this is your classic 80s movie. Arnold was fun. Uh, there was a couple of other guys in here, too. Uh, was it Carl Weathers was great. I think he was the standout for me. It was really awesome to see him so young, too. Um, but this story was beyond basic. So the you know what? They've got a missing person. They're going into the jungle and the predator is there. The CGI is not as good, obviously. We don't really see that many more weapons from the Predator. But the interesting thing, and I think this is a message to Hollywood about less is more. All of these people in this movie had just guns out the wazoo. They're firing machine guns and Gatlin guns, and they can't do anything to this Predator. We didn't see a single gun in Prey. We saw a couple muskets. Uh, and, and we got more damage done to the Predator in that movie than in this one. So 
Um, I, I give this movie a seven out of 10 out of respect for Arnold. Uh, otherwise I would have given this movie a six out of 10, but it was good. Again, back in the day, man, this movie would have been awesome, especially coming out, not knowing anything about it. Like what is the predator? I would have loved this movie because it had some space elements to it. It had some sort of spec ops, you know, secret invasion type stuff of like, oh, we got to send the secret group into the into the jungle, uh, which was cool. So from there, Predator 2, which uh, is from 1990, is a classic 90s movie, um, different director and uh, different actors as well. But we get Danny Glover, who does a really good job playing a really angry man. Uh, he does a lot of screaming. We also get Gary Busey in this one. Bill Paxton is in it as well, which was great. Um, not as good. Uh, there, There's pieces of this that I liked better than the Predator movie. There's a lot of it that wasn't as good as the first Predator movie too. What I, I, My hats are off to them though for saying, okay, people liked Predator. What if we give them something a little different in this one? And so this takes place in a dystopian Los Angeles in the future. I think it's in like 2007 or something like that is what it says. Um, and there's like, you know, drug, uh, drug cartels that are fighting each other and the predator shows up again. We don't know why we don't know how. Um, and it's one of those movies where if you, and I did, right. You look at your phone once or twice and you can't, the, the movie is gone at that point. Like it's one of those movies where it's just, you, you catch up again. Okay. We get it. We're all trying to fight the predator, but there's an interesting Easter egg in this movie. Uh, the, by the time at the very end, uh, Danny Glover kills the predator and he is approached by other predators and they all reveal him themselves to him. And he's like, Oh, am I going to have to fight all you guys? But they basically acknowledge him and say, uh, you know, you're worthy basically. And they, one of the predators hands him a gun. That is the exact same pistol that is from prey. Uh, obviously, Prey is doing that from a callback from this movie, but it was really cool to see that. Um, <clears throat> I liked that a lot. So, yes, I, I'd probably put Predator 2 a little bit below Predator 1. Uh, and then Predators, I watched last night. Nimrod Antle is the one who did that. And for those of you who go, I have no idea who that is. Yes, you do. He directed two episodes of uh, Stranger Things. He directed The Dive. And he also directed the Nina Project, which were what the last, second to last, and uh, third to last episodes of this last season, uh, which is really cool. He directed the Servant as well as the Metallica Master of Puppets music video from 2013, and Through the Never in 2013. So this guy's probably a big Metallica fan, which is probably why we get to see Metallica. How cool would that be, though? Right, the director of Predators is the one who got us to get uh, Master of Puppets in uh, <clears throat> Stranger Things. That's awesome. Predators, again, credit to this franchise. They said, okay, let's try something completely different. In this one, the uh, a group of humans is launched onto a planet of Predators where they are hunted for sport. And uh, again, completely different than the other two movies, but um, also another 6 out of 10, nothing... Nothing to write home about and confirmed that Prey is my favorite and arguably, easily arguably, um, yeah, come on, guys. Even if you can't compare Prey to the Predator. Uh, if you say, okay, the, pre the Predator has Arnold Schwarzenegger, okay, watch the Predator again because I guarantee you haven't seen it in a while. That movie does not age well. Uh, Predators doesn't age well. We get Walton Goggins 
uh, with some very questionable comments about what he does with women, which I uh, was not a huge fan of. But like I said, we've got an A-list cast in this movie. Almost all of the Ant-Man cast is in here. You've got uh, Walton Goggins and you have Lawrence Fishburne in this movie too. Adrian Brody, Topher Grace, Alice Braga, uh, Walton Goggins, Danny Trejo, and Mahershala Ali. That's right, guys. We've got, uh, so what do we have? We have Blade, we have Sonny Birch, we've got uh, Goliath, and we have Venom, and and we have, uh, I don't remember what her name was, but, uh, and I'll actually, I'll get it right here for you. Her name was Soul, uh, Soul Soria from the Suicide Squad. That's Alicia Braga. So this is like a huge superhero movie in a sense. Um, <clears throat> wasn't, uh, like I said, it's, it's a very basic premise. Oh, we got to fight these predators. We've got to survive. And, um, yeah. So like I said, it was nothing to write home about. It was nice to see all the actors in the movie, but hands down, Prey is my favorite. Prey is the best of all of them. So now my hope is, I, I hope and I pray, that they use this to make more Prey-type movies uh, that they actually release in theaters. Guys, there's so many options here, right? I mean, if the Predator keeps coming back to Earth, pick some cool times. Let's Why don't we send him back during World War II or during like Samurais or maybe the Wild West? Or, uh, gosh, maybe like ancient uh, Aztec would be really cool. Uh, so would ancient Egypt. Oh, man. I mean, they did say this is the first time the Predator came to the planet, though. So probably wasn't around during ancient Egypt. But give me more of that. I, just the, the fact that it was focused. This is why it was better than the other Predators. It's focused on one person as opposed to an ensemble. But even the ensemble, people are pretty good. Uh, but not only that, it's about them, that person. And, and she's got things that she's working on in terms of her having to prove herself to try and be who she wants to be. Those are universal things we can all understand and appreciate. And then the predators in it. It's not a movie about the predator with other people around it, which is what those other movies were. That's what separates this from the other ones. So with that said, we will wrap this show up with one more movie. Last night I went to the movie theater. I saw bullet train uh, directed by David Leach who uh, fans of his, huge fan of his, Atomic Blonde, um, John Wick. He's done, uh, I'm going to pull up the rest of his because he's he's just the action movie. Oh, Hobbs and Shaw, one of my first podcast episodes. Uh, and also Deadpool 2. Uh, this movie, I would say, I'd probably put it on the lower end of those films. This was not a bad movie. This is actually a really good movie. If you get a chance, go check this out in theaters. I'll try not to spoil too much of this, but it's essentially a movie about assassins all on this bullet train headed to Kyoto. That uh, And Brad Pitt is the main assassin. He kills it in this movie. He's absolutely awesome. He's playing a sort of uh, uh, bohemian-type guy that I think he perfected really well in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So if you liked his performance in that movie, you're going to love him in this movie. But again, here's... Here, excuse me, here's another all-star cast of uh, superheroes in this film, right? We've got Brad Pitt, who plays Ladybug, uh, Joey King as Prince. Uh, she does a great job. Aaron Taylor Johnson is in this movie, and he's awesome in it. Him and his twin brother, uh, Brian Tyree Henry. So Quicksilver and Fastos together again. Uh, but then we also have Hayao Yuki Sanada, who is from Avengers Endgame. He was also in Logan. 
or not, sorry, not Logan, uh, the Wolverine. And then Sandra Bullock is in this movie very, very briefly. Uh, Michael Shannon is in here as well. Andrew Koji, Logan Lerman, Bad Bunny. Uh, I didn't even realize that was Bad Bunny. I don't know who Bad Bunny is. I know he's a, a music artist, but I didn't recognize him. He was great, though. He plays the wolf. And anytime his character or anyone mentions the wolf, there's a howl. And I'm a huge fan of that. But we also get Masioka from Heroes, the guy who can teleport. I believe that's what he could do was teleport. Um, Zissy Bates as the Hornet from Deadpool 2. Come on. And Karen Fukuhara, who is Kimiko from The Boys. So this is a star-studded cast of superheroes, which was so cool to see. This movie reminded me of something. And I, I it was to its detriment. And again, not a bad movie at all, but I just kept kept getting this feeling that was like preventing me from liking the movie more. And I just, it was like this, I feel like I've seen this before and I, I don't know what it is. I would love to hear if anyone does. It was like, it's like a mix of murder on the Orient express and uh, knives out. And there's just, there's a lot of, and you know what it is? Maybe it reminded me of some of his other movies. Maybe it reminded me a bit of atomic blonde because there's a lot of flashbacks and fancy flashy flashbacks that take place, which again, honestly, if I watched this movie again, I'd probably like it even more. Uh, but there's just pieces of it where, you know, everything is connected. Everything comes together by the end of it. And there's, yeah, there's some corny jokes, but there are some really funny jokes too. And the action is on point, but there wasn't a lot of it. And I feel like, uh, um, David Leach was kind of testing himself in a sense because uh, all of this takes place on a train. And so there's some action set pieces in the flashbacks that are really good. But for the most part, the action is all on this train. And so you're very limited to what you can do. But at the same time, I think that allowed him to become more creative in the fights. There's not as many. Um, but, you know, when he uh, Brad Pitt's character, Ladybug, has to get this briefcase. And so there's multiple fights where he's using the briefcase as a fighting tool, which was great. He uses, there's a lot of um, environmental factors that are used in the fights, such as um, there's a water bottle. You see that in the trailer that they're using. There's like stickers that they have at one point. There's, um, there's, a, snake, there's a snake on the train, uh, which was great. Uh, and again, oh man. But the, the other thing too, that was a little bug by was uh, they, they did a little bit of a disservice to some of the female characters, specifically Sandra Bullock and Zissy Bates. So um, they're barely in it. I mean, Sandra Bullock is her hand is his handler and she's in her, his ear a lot, but we don't see her throughout the whole movie until the very, very end. And then same with, um, with uh, I keep wanting to call her Zazzy, but I swear she said her name is Zissy, but um, she's in it for like five minutes or less. And I was really bummed about that, too, because she's amazing and I love seeing her, uh, as was uh, Karen Fugahara as well. Same thing. Kimiko. She was barely in it, too. But I was happy to see her when we saw her and uh, to have all of that, but to still have great performances from Aaron Taylor Johnson, Brian Tyree Henry. They were great. Um, maybe a little too much Thomas the Tank Engine talk. But honestly, where else are you going to be getting that kind of content? So I was enjoying that. I loved the whole, oh, they're a diesel. That person's a diesel. Uh, Michael Shannon's barely in it as well. But when he is, he's good too, uh, which was nice. I loved Aaron Taylor Johnson in this. I can't remember, <clears throat> but I can check. <laughs> Let me say that. But I can check. I'm sitting here looking at IMDb. Um, yeah, okay. He's English. He was born in, okay. He's fully English in this movie, and I love it. 
I absolutely love it. He's the classic English guy of like just an absolute jerk. And, uh, you know, <laughs> just some of his lines are so funny. And uh, just it, it was cool to see the progression of him and his uh, his brother, uh, Lemon. So they're, they're Lemon and Tangerine. And so there's some some tie ins there as well. Some interesting pieces. Again, it's one of those movies where everyone's stories are connected and they all end up kind of crescendoing at the very end, which was really cool. The soundtrack was great. There's some great music. And as I'm talking about it, I think I I'm liking it more and more. There's just like I said, there's something about it, something that I can't place my finger on. That I was just like, eh, like I can't, I want to give this movie an eight, but I can't. Like, I feel like this movie is like a 7.8, 7.9 sort of thing. That's right there. And so maybe if I watch it again and I get another appreciation and catch a couple of things, like I said, Easter eggs galore in this movie for if you're paying attention at one part, like, oh, that's going to come back into play later sort of thing. That was really cool. And, you know, David Leach is, is unparalleled when it comes to action. So even though there weren't as many action scenes, they're good action scenes. They're really good. They're really fun. So um, this movie just came out in theaters. It's not doing that great. So go check it out. Go give it your support. Go see if you like it too. Um, it also has some really great um, uh, Asian renditions of Staying Alive. And there's another uh, there's another song as well. And I, I always love hearing those in movies. So that was really cool. But like I said, um, honestly, if, so if I were to pick my order of favorites with these movies, uh, I would say hands down, Prey, right up there at the top. Uh, Bullet Train, right behind that, a little bit below that would be Buzz Lightyear. So, uh, but nonetheless, guys, three movies. Sometimes I wonder, I'm like, oh, I, I give a movie a 7 out of 10. Does that mean it was really that good of a movie? It is. It is. To me, if I was a film and Alex was watching me, I'd want him to give me a 7 or higher. Anything below that, like, I, there's even movies that I give sixes to that I like, like uh, Predator 2. I still kind of like that movie. But once you hit that seven range, you're you're in the clear. Like, you're good. That's a movie that I plan to either watch again or if it's ever on, that I'm totally fine watching it again. So uh, three movies like that in a week, can't ask for more than that. It's a great time to be alive, great time for film, great time for cinema as well. So go check out Bullet Train. There's a bunch of other great films out in theaters as well. Um, we've got some big ones coming up on the horizon uh, we'll wrap this show up though. At this point, I will say I'm going to be taking next week off. I will be on earth's mightiest weirdos. We're going to be diving into, I am Groot, uh, also talking about she Hulk as well as she Hulk comes out that week. I will then be back the following week, hopefully with a few guests to talk about she Hulk comics. Um, I'm not a huge She-Hulk comic person, but uh, if I get these these uh, amazing guests, they're going to be able to guide us through some of the best She-Hulk stories out there. Some I actually even got to read that uh, turned out to be really good. So keep it here. Tune it in at Comics and Cinema. Uh, and I'm your host, Alex Klein. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you at the movies.